episode of season five, 2021. Exciting times, Lois. How do you feel now that we're on the last one of our, I think, second season in a pandemic? Yeah, I feel absolutely amazing. I cannot believe that we've done two whole seasons. I think we've now recorded more episodes remotely than we ever did in person. Yeah, that's true. I actually think it's been a very efficient process. How was your weekend? Anything fun now that London is open? London is open and don't we know it? Yep, I did my first pub trip. Been to probably like four parks over the weekend, you know, just me and the rest of London (laughs) getting some vitamin D. (laughs) How have you been? I actually have not been outside. I was sick all weekend, so I was watching people going to the pub outside from my bedroom window while I was trying to nurse myself back to health. But I don't want to throw a pity party because I'm super excited about our guests today. Yeah, and I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's super cool because we have guests from Antler which is an organisation that operates quite differently from other investment funds and folks that we've had on the podcast before. So just before we introduce our guests, to give a brief summary, I think it's a a sort of cohort method, um, and they work with those founding teams to validate the problem that they're solving and the business model. That's, That's the first port of call. I believe that's about 10 weeks. Then they get to the point where the teams would pitch their investment committee and the happy path being a positive investment committee decision where there is an investment then after that there'll be a program where there's a build phase and they help to build the mvp they help to get early traction um, and then they get you ready for your next round of funding and that's kind of where they start and we have a real treat for our last episode of the season we're speaking to Ollie and Magnus from Antler. Welcome, guys. And yeah, please introduce yourselves. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. Really appreciate the invitation. Ollie, you want to go first and enter yourself? Yeah, sure thing. Um, hi, thanks for having us. My name's Ollie, and I'm a partner of the Antler UK Fund. So what, what I do at Antler is help exceptional people start their next businesses. So we can get on a bit about what that means a bit later on. Before that, though, um, so my my first kind of career move was I started a digital bank called Loot uh, when I graduated from uni. So Loot was a challenger bank helping mostly 18 to 25 year olds spend and save better. So we launched a current account that we managed to get to 200,000 customers and they spent over 250 million pounds on the platform, which was a lot of fun. And then after that, kind of briefly went over to the big bank world and help a rather large bank in the UK build their version of a a challenger bank. So trying to build a startup within a corporate, which was very interesting. And then joined Antler a year ago now, and have been helping our latest cohorts to make their next companies and help them get funded. So since I've joined Antler during the pandemic, we've invested in 14 new businesses, which are going really, really well. And then Magnus? Yeah, Magnus Grimlin here. I come from Norway originally, grew up on the countryside there. I actually went to high school in Wales in the UK, uh, of all places, at this United World College of the Atlantic with uh, people gathered from all across the globe, which was incredibly exciting. Some people who grew up with nothing and from you know all across the globe and others who 
came from uh, locations where they had more privileged upbringings and you know we were people there from uh, 80 plus nations for a couple of years then i went back to do my military service i was in the navy seals in norway for a while uh, before going to harvard for college uh, which was very exciting times because at the time you saw that second wave of innovation happening in the U.S. post the dot-com boom and bust. Obviously, a lot of great companies came out of the dot-com era, uh, but around kind of two, 2002, 2003, 2004, a lot of really big platforms were, were built there. And on campus, we, we obviously had Facebook come at, at the time. And it's just fascinating to see how, you know, with a piece of code and, and, and good software, you could, you could really impact the whole world from, from one location. And we can always argue... Uh, if that's kind of positive or negative, but I definitely have the ability to do so. And for the people who are out there who are creating tremendous products, you can really improve the world and solve important problems for the whole whole world from, from anywhere. And I think that's one of the things that technology has really enabled. You know, if you go 50 years back in time or even longer, if you go to like the airplane industry, it took 68 years to get 50 million customers and Pokemon Go got that in what I think a few days. So we live in this time and I saw that firsthand while I was in college and got incredibly excited about technology and the potential. I uh, uh, later uh, joined McKinsey, working with tech companies all across the globe, spent most of my time in, in Asia and the US, some time in Europe, working with everything from semiconductor companies to growth tech companies. Then I came down to Southeast Asia and was part of building Solora.com there. Solora is a bit like Zalando and ASOS out of Europe. It's the biggest fashion e-commerce company here. It's also where I got connected with uh, a lot of Petra's friends who've uh, built some amazing businesses here in the region, including Gojek, which I think is now, it's possibly the largest employer in Indonesia, uh, which was uh, set up in about 2012. Kevin and Nadim, part of the co-founding team, was, was part of our team in Solora before they went and set that up. You knew them when you were there, right, Petra? Um, yeah, I mean, I knew them when we were all in our teens, you know, when we were all sort of dorky high schoolers, not really knowing what we're going to do with our lives. So it's been pretty incredible watching their journey, you know, over the past few years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we were building out Solora here in the region. And when you build an e-commerce company in Southeast Asia, you need to build or at the time, at least, you need to build out the logistics infrastructure, the payment infrastructure, a lot of interesting problems. But that worked out really well. We sold the company in 2015 to Global Fashion Group. Global Fashion Group later IPO'd at Frankfurt. They're, they're doing quite well. And throughout that journey, we saw people like Nadim and, and Kevin built Gojek, others like Chris Feng, who built Shopee, which is now part of uh, C Group, which is a $100 billion plus company. Stash away, the biggest robot advisor built by Michaela, Shopback. A lot of the people who have been part of building Solora left to build really fast-growing tech businesses. And we realized this is happening anywhere, right? It's, it's the same in London. It's the same in Stockholm. It's the same in Southeast Asia. Same in India. It's the same in Africa. It's the same everywhere. That If you had the, the fortune of joining a fast-growing tech company early, you learn a lot. And you also figure out what's possible, and you get a set of really strong mentors and access to investors. And we thought that was quite a compelling value proposition. And that became the whole thesis behind Antler, which we later launched towards the end of 2017, early 2018, that we just wanted to work with exceptional people like that 
to help build great businesses from scratch. And uh, you know, a lot of the people that we work with are people who have been, been lucky to you know, be early on in, in, in Flipkart or GrabTaxi or Gojek or Revolut or Spotify or other businesses like this and now go and build their next thing. And then we also work with founders who come from deep research backgrounds and, and other areas of the world who just have very strong intrinsics and, and are excited about solving an important problem and, 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 and building a new business basically from day one. Amazing. Very cool. Thank you for the intro, Magnus. Oli, if I could just ask, so following on what Magnus was saying about the ethos of Antler and the diversity of the founders, do you think you could talk to us a bit about what attracted you personally to Antler? Yeah, it was actually kind of interesting. So when I met Antler, I'd not heard of it because Antler UK had just started. So it hadn't had its first demo day. Not not many people knew what was going on, but it was running its first cohort. So there were around 70 people that Antler had essentially hired for three months to start their next business with them, where they were coaching and then working out who they should back to go forward to the next stage. The biggest thing I did was to kind of test uh, the Antler models to meet the founders. And I was really impressed with the quality of the founders. So I sat down with a bunch of them and you could just tell that the Antler model was attracting really, really smart people who were really driven and had the right grit to get this done. Then when I was considering joining Antler, I was like, that must be the most fun job you could ever have, which is like working with people who really want to start their next business right at day one. And Antler, in most cases, introduces the founders together. So we go from really 80 strangers to... 10 funded businesses within three months in the UK. And that's a really exciting thing, especially when those 80 founders who join you are really the, the top in terms of talent that you can find in the UK. And that was the biggest thing that kind of attracted me to it. And one of, one of the additional benefits of that recruiting policy is if you get for the 80 smartest and most driven people you can find, you get a great diversity. So in both diversity in the founders' backgrounds, but also diversity in their skills. So I'll be working some months with people who are really deep in AI science and like working out how, how advanced AI models work. But then I could also be working with a pharmacist or I could also be working with a GP. And all of these people want to start their next business, but they come from vastly different backgrounds. And then when you put them all together, you actually find that different people with completely different backgrounds can actually build a really brilliant business together. A really good example of this in London was when one person who was a banker for seven years met another founder who worked in AI in academia for eight years. Now, they their paths never would have crossed without Antler. And they met, and now they're automating some really, really difficult back office tasks in banks which you couldn't do before unless you had the most advanced AI credentials. And it, it kind of perfectly pairs up their two backgrounds because Emmanuel, who's the AI researcher, never would have known that that problem existed, but he's the guy to fix it. And Rob never would have known that the job he did day in, day out for seven years could be automated by technology. So it's kind of being right there at that moment is the most interesting part, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And was that something that you consciously wanted to do, having previously started up your own thing and obviously been through that journey with big British bank? Was your path pretty set? Were you like, 
I'm going to go into VC or I want to do something with other entrepreneurs or were you open-minded? Um, yeah, pretty open-minded. So w- when I was running Loot, I was a fairly young founder. So I started the company when I was 20. So I learned quite quickly that the best way to learn how to do stuff was by being close to other founders. I had my own network of other founders who were a bit further along than me. And I would ask them the questions because I knew that they would be the best people to ask. And then obviously I was CEO of that business for five years. So towards the end, I found that I had a lot of entrepreneurs who were earlier in the stage asking me the same questions. And that concept of like learning through other founders is really important to me. So then when I saw Antler, it was obvious that that's exactly what the business is. It's just having really smart founders learning from other founders, whether it's the partners or whether it's the advisor network we've got. So knowing that that is the best way to learn. If you're an investor that can also do that, you'll probably be the most impactful investor. So it wasn't so much joining VC. It was more joining a structure that enabled to help build the best companies and then invest in them and get hopefully the best returns possible. Cool. And the benefit of having both of you on is that we can flip over to Magnus for a similar question and find out from your perspective, you know, what was it like meeting Ollie and why did you want to have him on board? I think that for what we are doing, also I think for VCs in general, having operational experience of building a business uh, or being part of building a business is just incredibly, incredibly important because the founders really as they're getting started on their journey or their second journey or whatever it might be, can benefit a lot from that, first of all. And second of all, you know, there's a certain level of kind of respect that comes from having been through that uh, on their own. And obviously, Ole has, I think, a a tremendous story with uh, with Lute, how he set that up, all the learnings he made on the way. On top of that, how he solved very, very hard challenges he also operated in an area which is quite complex and even more complex at the time because regulation you know, wasn't as advanced as it is now. Like fintech at the time came with all of those challenges as well. And you know, if you've gone through that yourself, you can really be incredibly helpful to people who are just starting that journey or doing it for the second time if it didn't work out all that well, well for the first time over. So that really, really, really inspired me. And then when we call around uh, about Ole, you know, everyone we talked to, he's talked about the tremendous amount of energy he has and how he's always been inspirational to the people around him, whether they worked for him, invested in him or advised him. And for us, this is really what we think is uh, very important in our partnerships where we're coming so early, right? It's obviously the investment decision is important as well, but the support we can give to the founders that we work with is, is even more important uh, operationally uh, since we're, we're helping them really build the businesses from scratch. And yeah, I think it's hard to come by someone who can do that as well as all they can. And uh, yeah, extremely excited to have him on board. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a, a really good, good match. Going back to Antler's, I guess, birth about four years ago, Magnus, where did you see the gap in the market to create something like Antler today? And then I guess my follow-up question would be around the geographic spread of where you are active because you're extremely global. So I would love to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, great question. So 
it, it developed over time. So the, the first thoughts around Antler was really back to 2009. I was still in McKinsey and I worked with some legacy tech companies. So when I say legacy tech companies, these are, I work with some of the world's largest and most successful and, and very exciting tech companies. And, and you could see in their engineering departments, they had all of these amazing engineers that was working on like world-leading AI technology, world-leading IoT technology, health tech, all these things that was so impressive, but it never got to the market because the parent company was, you know, they were focused on a very specific product and what they were doing was contributing kind of 0.1% to the end product. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to kind of pick those people up and pull them out and then build new businesses with them with all this amazing technology and uh, kept on thinking about this kept iterating various types of ways to do that and then then we saw what happened in southeast asia right with solora like a number of the people who was part of building solora with us you know they left to build incredible businesses and then i looked around ecosystems across the world and you really see the same thing uh, once you have some amazing growth tech companies out of that will come a lot of new ones. And that really helps fuel innovation. And I truly believe that the world's largest problems, whether it's climate change or healthcare or whatever it is really, will be resolved by exceptional people working on solving them using technology. And then I combine that with looking at some kind of research on like why do startups fail, right? So, you know, people always say that when you ask people what percent of startups fail, they will typically say something between 90% and 100%, which is crazy because I think the core reason why a lot of startups end up failing comes down to very basic aspects. Either the founder or the founders are not ready themselves, right? Or they haven't thought enough about putting together a great co-founding team. Or they haven't put enough thought into kind of truly validating the business model and ensuring that they're really solving a, a real problem. And if you take those kind of aspects away, if you have an incredible team working on solving a problem that really makes sense to solve, you reduce the risk of, of failure probably to about 20, 10, 20%, right? Exceptional teams working on stuff that really makes sense, who are serious about it, that has the required grit, drive, and the spikes and strengths to execute on it will succeed most of the time. And uh, the combination of kind of seeing those things in the ecosystems combined with this, this vast amount of early stage companies that, that fail, I thought if we set up this and focus just really, really hard on those two aspects and that becomes our strength and then do that not only in a location, but do it by utilizing global networks, right? Right now, you can build global businesses out of anywhere, but competencies tend to be somewhat concentrated in certain areas, right? So there are some universities that has the world's best research on, on a specific area. There are certain countries that has a specific type of, of mentors and investors because they came out of there having built those type of companies. So if we could bring in that global network and combine it with, with a really hard focus on finding exceptional founders, ensuring that they have exceptional teams and are working on something that really makes sense to solve, we not only will have 
a positive impact on the world through speeding up innovation and solving important problems. But we can also invest with a high success rate and deliver very strong returns to our investors. So, you know, it's a long answer because it was a long journey. But I, I think, you know, looking at the last few years, we've been able to work with some exceptional founders, building some great companies. And uh, I think the founders we work with are getting better and better and, you know, very excited about the future. It seems to be working really well. Awesome. Wow. What a journey. I mean, you both spoke about the sort of exceptional quality of the founders you get to work with. And I think a part of the due diligence process that sometimes gets left out or has less attention are sort of the characteristics and the more, I guess, qualitative aspects of a founder that you try and investigate and that you pull out in order to understand, is this someone that I can work with? Beyond sort of, you know, the, uh, I guess, subject matter expertise or kind of commercial aptitude of the founder, what do you look for, like, personality-wise um, in terms of their character? Yeah, that's a really tricky one, but it's it's really important as well. So when we have a founder approach us at Antler, we take them through quite an intensive process before we give them a yes, no. And it's obviously, we do it as quickly as we can, but there's normally three or four interview stages. And we also ask you to fill in some docs as just to give us a bit of background on you. So the reason we do that is to enable as many different perspectives from the team to see if we're all spotting the same characteristics. And what we really look for is really solid drive. So we look for um, experiences or indicators that this is the person that can drive a business forward for seven plus years, uh, whatever it is they end up doing. Then the next characteristic we look for is grit. And grit is commonly known as like the top characteristic for startup success, because every single startup goes through a time where you don't necessarily know your makeup. I remember actually when I was running Loot, we had eight times where I thought we were going to die. And I remember once I, I took my one of my best mates for a drive and I was like, yeah, we're screwed. And um, he was like, you said that last time. And then like two weeks later, the whole thing was sorted. So grit is a really important measure and we really look for experiences in those founders where, which can kind of show that in really difficult circumstances, they're not going to give up. Have yeah. you read the book Grit as well? I haven't actually, no, I haven't. It's really excellent. If you haven't read it, it's such a good read. It's a really fantastic uh, journey to understanding like your own personal perseverance and it's actually helped us form or like form a bit of a thesis around our founders. Exactly. And it is so important. And I remember even last summer, I had a founder call me up, just a friend, and he called me and he honestly thought he was going to have to shut his company down in a couple of weeks. And we spoke about it. And he hung in there, even though it felt really difficult. And they're flying now. They had just had their best year ever. So I think grit is the most important one. And it's, it's really important when we look for it with a founder. But the, the problem with grit is it doesn't always come in a professional sense. So some founders, it might be their first business, but they've gone through quite a lot in their personal lives, which do showcase that grit that we have to try and dig out in the interview and really, really discover. So that's that's really important. And then it's just when you kind of meet the founders, you do get a really good sense of what their main intentions are and why they believe Antler is going to help boost their chances of a great outcome. And I think if we talk about the candidates and their applications, we really go in detail about whether we've discovered those personal attributes or not. And then if we don't, we keep interviewing and keep meeting them until we we really get it. 
Um, so those are kind of the main characteristics we look for in terms of on a personality level. And then in addition to that, we also look for evidence of their spike. So what is it that they can do um, no one else can do or what's their like unique domain experience that they've got, which um, will really add something to the cohort. If, if I can just add, I, I, I also really, to, to kind of echo Ole and, and Petra to, to, to also kind of comment on what you said, which I think is very true. And I haven't read this book, but if it's about grit, I would really recommend everyone to read it because you can build grit as an individual and people will, will build this in, in different ways. You should think through you know, how you can get into this mode of failure not being an option as a founder. Like how, how can you get into that type of mindset? It's hard. Sometimes you need co-founders around you that will support you on that journey. Uh, sometimes you need family or friends or there's a mentor or you know, whatever it is really that, that gets you into that type of mode. Because I think what, what we just touched about now is so true for all the founders who listen. Like every single company out there is becoming tremendously successful at some point in time was near death, if not multiple times. And, you know, some are very public, like Tesla is a great example. SpaceX is a great example. There's so many great examples of near public failures, but they made it through. And by making it through, they changed the world. And um, I think people talk about the, the founding journey being somewhat lonely at times. It's just, I think, important to be aware of that. When you get into those types of situations, uh, you know, just realize that there are so many amazing companies that have been through the same thing. You just need to find the right way. Sometimes that is not, you know, continuing to bang your head against the wall, but finding a way around it or slightly pivot or solve the problem in an innovative way. But I think it's just so important to know that other people have been in that situation and then make it through. And we have so many portfolio companies. Ole mentioned one example. There are so many portfolio companies who were like weeks or months away of throwing in the towel. And then one year later, everything is different. And they're, you know, they're getting more customers on board than they can ever wish. They have amazing investors and things are completely different and they could turn around so quickly in the startup world. Absolutely. It's such an important message, as you say, like, you know, people always talk about how it can be a lonely journey, but actually to hear people continue to reiterate that, you know, with grit and resilience, there could be <laughs> there could be something at the at the other side of the tunnel that they're they're in at the moment. Just for anyone listening, grit is by Angela Duckworth, I think. Petra, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. There we go. We'll put a link in the <laughs> uh, in the description so that you can go and check it out. Guys, I wanted to ask you, you know, all of that conversation is something that I think we can all appreciate and take a view on. But given Antler's sort of unique approach and, and structure, that must it must affect the work that you guys do in terms of like, you know, where your focus is day to day. So could you tell us a bit about that? Like where is the majority of your focus, maybe in comparison to a more traditional VC structure? So um we spend a lot of time identifying amazing founders, while a lot of VCs spend time identifying amazing companies with amazing founders. So we spend a lot of time on kind of individuals and the individual quality of a founder, A. B, we spend a lot of time thinking through like, how do you form a great co-founding team? And we work with some amazing founders that already have a co-founder or two. Sometimes people don't have them yet and they're looking for co-founders. We also occasionally invest in uh, single founder teams. But, you know, we think a lot through that and spend time working with the founders to ensure that they get great co-founders on board. And the third aspect is 
spend quite a bit of time on like business model validation and ensuring that you're you're working on solving a real problem. And you know, we can come with a ton of input and affect that journey by asking the right questions, by putting them in contact with the right people. So for example, where we helped build this amazing company out of Stockholm called Skycraft. We have the great aerospace engineer and AI engineer and another engineer with more of an operational background. And, and, and you know, they wanted to use their skills to solve an important problem and they were iterating backwards and forward. We put them in contact with people all across the globe. They ended up building a company which flies drones over infrastructure and discovers problems with that through machine learning algorithms. So you can avoid forest fires and, and other types of stuff. So, you know, we spend a lot of time on these aspects, which is probably less assessment than actually asking the right questions, putting people in contact with the right people to ensure that the outcome becomes great, right? Since we typically work with people at the time when there isn't a company yet. Yeah, exactly. And just to add to that, I, I probably spend 60% of my time coaching founders so that's way more than, I guess, a traditional VC probably would. And that's founders at all sides of the journey. So ones we haven't yet invested in that we're coaching through the program or ones that we've already invested in who might be doing their next funding round or just might have a few questions on what, what to do about their next hire. And that gives us, as Magna said, a lot of time to really try and value and to really um, ask the right questions or introduce them to the right people that can push their businesses to the next level. And we're not saying that's kind of better or worse, right? Like, obviously, we're investing at the stage where this is what we're doing, right? So it's like, that, that's our value proposition, right? I mean, this, this is what we're 100% focused on. And obviously, if you're a little bit later stage investor, uh, you would split your time differently. And, and for any potential founders that are listening right now or people who are thinking of making a career pivot to follow something they've been wanting to try for a while, how do they get in touch with you, apply? How do they get involved into this Antler ecosystem? Yeah, so you, you can go on antler.co and uh, just click apply. And then you can choose which location you'd like to, to work out of and build out of. We're currently live in Singapore, which covers Southeast Asia. We're live in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, which covers the Pacific. We have Bangalore in India, Kenya in, in Africa or in East Africa. Uh, we have Amsterdam and Berlin in Central Europe. In the Nordics, we are in Stockholm and Oslo, and we're about to set up a satellite in, in Copenhagen. We are in London, which Ole runs and has built out, which is a really great program. And we are in the US where due to COVID, we're running everything virtually now. So you don't really need to go anywhere. You can stay where you are and we'll work with you virtually until you're up and running and we, we can invest. So, uh, and then we're looking at obviously, you know, if, if there are people who can make it to those places, then, you know, let, let us know and we look at the ecosystem in which you're in. I think the other point I wanted to mention is we also invest in existing teams and existing businesses. So, you know, if you already got started, you should still contact one of the Antler partners and we can come in later stage as well. We're just in the process of launching our follow-on fund, which can invest up to Series C. But in most of the locations and, and the core of what we're doing is, is really helping Founders build companies from scratch and then you go to antler.co and apply. 
Ole, anything to add? Yeah, no, I think that's that covers it pretty well. And also just reaching out to the partners or any of the team at Antler, I think is a really great way to know a bit more. Um, I get quite a lot of inbound from founders and always happy to talk them through it because I think if you're a really excellent founder, you have to at least explore the idea of joining Antler because there are so many different ways where we can add quite a lot of value that if you're not sure, just reach out to one of us directly and we, we can talk you through it. Perhaps also add, if you're an exceptional person, right, and if any of the lo locations we mentioned, uh, you know, is far away from you, we we have ways, we work with governments and a lot of the places we're in, we have ways to help you get the required documents to fulfill your dream and build something great. Where you come from and, and, and your background shouldn't be a hindrance to that. So uh, don't, don't be worried if you're not close to any of the locations I I mentioned we will sort it, we'll sort it out. Amazing. And what about people who might be listening who are thinking that what you two do sounds really fun? Um, are you are you hiring at the moment, or are you planning to? We are hiring constantly. There's also a careers email on our website. We are in in expansion mode and you know adding new things. One thing I might also mention is. We just launched the Ant Launch Academy, which is a free online program for anyone who's getting started. So if you don't want to wait until the next court starts, you can get started online. So we keep launching new things like this. Uh, so if you're really excited about venture capital and uh, especially the really early stages uh, that we're focused on, uh, also if you're interested in uh, you know, somewhat new and interesting locations reach out uh, we that's how a lot of people came on board yeah exactly i think antler's growing so quickly both locally and globally that if it is something interesting then definitely reach out on the website or just to one of us directly yeah and also please if you see something that why don't you do this or uh, why don't you do this thing better or this stuff you do doesn't make sense then also reach out because then we can learn and do things better Okay, amazing. Open to feedback as well. That's so yeah. cool. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I just had a question sort of loosely connected to hiring and, and bringing on board new people. What's a few pieces of advice that you would give someone who would like to get into VC, regardless of its antler or uh, another potential home for them? What's the best way to break into the industry and have your candidacy stand out? Yeah, so I can start and all you should also add there. It's, I think as with anything, you just need, you need to get practice, right? So, you know, and the more you do something, the better you get at it. You know, you need to figure out that you're, you're truly, truly passionate about it. And that means that you read up on everything that's going on. Uh, you try to meet founders as often as you can. You try to meet other VCs. You try to learn as much as you possibly can. If you're truly passionate about something, that's kind of how you end up, right? So for example, when I'm having a lunch break or I have time to read something on an airplane as it takes off, whatever, I read about tech and startups and VCs and founders and elements related to that. So that's kind of one place to start. And I think that's, then there are several avenues in, right? So if, if you are lucky to have a bit of access to capital, you can start doing some angel investing. If you don't have that, you can start, uh, you know, building something. You can go and meet a lot of founders and start building a virtual portfolio. You can start basically building up some 
competencies most importantly, but also this stuff will uh, make you attractive to people who want to bring you on board in, in their company, right? Then you can also launch your own setup. There are so many, I think, unserved needs out there. People say, you know, obviously it's a hot ecosystem now and a lot more capital, a lot more people coming into the space, but there's still so many areas and so many places where you can contribute. So try to figure out where those areas are and you can start something on your own. So those those are just a few kind of uh, pieces of, of advice on my side. But yeah, it's anything. You just got to go out there and start doing it. Oli. Yeah. Also, I think VC is quite an op- open ecosystem where there are lo- lots of ways in and it really depends what you find the most interesting. So I would always recommend if you wanted to be working with founders, if you can either work in an early stage startup or even start your own business, if that's something you wanted to do. If you prefer kind of the financial side, then building up a network of both funds and startups is the best way to work out kind of which area you're interested in. I think the cool thing with VC is like you don't study venture capital at uni. So there's no like ladder in normally. So everyone comes in with a different background and that makes it really accessible. And it's it's far more accessible than maybe going into something like investment banking because that's a very rigid intro in. Whereas in VC, everyone has got a, a different access point. So I yeah, definitely follow the kind of most interesting path in for whatever your your experience is, so either through operating or or the financial side, and then um, it's lucky that VC is kind of a very well networked industry. So there's always events you can go to, there's always different things which you could participate in, and just by doing that, you'll meet the right people. Awesome! Some great tips there. Thanks so much, guys. I think one thing on the last question, which I think is just a general thing that I thought a lot about as you go through life. I think one should always aim to do things that gets closer and closer to your passion, right? So if I think about my own life, you know, I, I really enjoyed my study days because I learned more, but, you know, I, I wasn't going to become an academic. So it was, you know, I was excited about it. It got me a little, little bit closer to my passion, but it wasn't really my passion. And then I was part of McKinsey. I learned a lot. I got to work with a bunch of tech companies a little bit closer, Bill Solora, very exciting because we built a business, worked with a ton of people, but my passion isn't clothing people better or like fashion isn't my number one passion <laughs> in the world. So, but it got closer. And now with Antler, I get to work with incredible people every day to build great businesses. And, you know, for, for the first time in my life, what I spend the majority of my time doing is 100% aligned with, with my passion. And I think when people think through whether I want to build a business or whether I want to join a VC or, or whatever they're thinking about, I think thinking through a little bit long-term how, you know, you shouldn't go there immediately. Like if I launched a VC when I was in high school, that probably wouldn't have turned out very well. But by taking steps that always brings you closer to your passion, I think you live a life which is more and more fulfilled and you will have the impact that you want. So just want to kind of add that there for the people who are thinking about their next career step or what they're going to do after university or what they're going to do in university or whatever it is. I think it's a, I like to think about it that way because that's where you want to end up. Great. It's very inspiring. It felt like a little bit of like a therapy pep talk for me on a, on a Monday. <laughs> so thanks for that, Magnus. I was going to say the same thing. It's really, 
like motivating to hear things like that and I think you know when you hear them you think oh yes of course <laughs> that is what it's all about but sometimes we can lose sight of that especially in an industry that prioritizes so many other things yeah 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 it's very easy to get distracted amazing thank you guys so much just to round out do you want to share your email addresses Tim, where can people find you if they want to get hold of you yeah um, so the best way to contact me would be just through LinkedIn. So Ollie Perdue and I can, yeah, just DM me on there and we can, we can chat. Great. Yeah. And I'm on uh, Magnus Grimland on LinkedIn and uh, at Magnus Grimland on Twitter. Reach out if I can help in any way. Amazing. Thanks guys. So there you have it. That's where you can find Ollie and Magnus. Remember that you can find Associated on Twitter too at associated underscore pod and you can get updates on our latest guest episodes over there. If you have any feedback for us, like Antler, we're also completely open to that. Please do let us know if you've got any suggestions or people that you think would be amazing guests. You can email us on associatedpodcast at gmail.com and Thank you very much for listening. That is the end of the fifth season of Associated. Please do subscribe, leave us a rating wherever you listen to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next season. Bye.